This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. good parenting advice and tips? Are you struggling with pain, shame, and anger left over from your childhood wounds? There are many books on recovering from the trauma of child abuse, but not many that focus on the job of parenting afterwards. Gian Mehta is the author of Parenting Well After Childhood Abuse, a groundbreaking self-help book that reinforces the importance of healing the damage to be the best parent you can be. While the subject might be challenging, Jeanne uses humor throughout the book, especially in the parenting scenarios. She offers useful tips whether you came from abuse or not. Parenting is hard. It's even more challenging when you had a crappy childhood. Of course, you don't want to do what was done to you, but it's easier said than done. While there's no quick fix, Jeanne's work gives encouragement to seek help and a roadmap of steps to take. Her story sets an example of transcending the harm done in childhood to reach a life full of hope and healing. In this episode, she talks about healing ourselves and the journey to become whole. Jeanne lived with the pain of childhood sexual abuse, but didn't seek help until she became a parent. She went from small victim to resilient survivor by working on the root causes of her shame, denial, pain, and anger. Valeria interviews Gian Mehta, who besides being an author, she is a proud mom, sister, wife, grandmom, friend, animal rescuer, pretty good cook, and also a childhood sexual abuse survivor who isn't afraid to talk about it. She has a passion to share her story in hopes of helping the multitude of others who suffer in silence. Here is the interview with Gian Mehta. In your own words, who is Jeanne Mehta? Well, I'm all kinds of things, like most people. I'm a mom. I'm a true friend. I'm a good cook. I'm an animal lover, nature lover, and I'm also a survivor of incest. We'll talk about that in a moment, <laughs> about the mm -hmm. subject of healing from traumatic experiences. I have a few warm-up questions before we talk about some of the topics in your book, Parenting Well After Childhood Abuse. So my first warm-up question is, what is life to you, Jeanne? 
Wow. Life is a process. Life is wonderful and hard. And, you know, it shows all kinds of things to you that I I believe we all need to find an inner strength and healing within ourselves. I think knowing yourself, learning to know yourself really helps in um, the whole process of knowing yourself at the end, you know, being able to live a happy, happy life. I love that. They connected to um, knowing ourselves, this idea of life, of what life is. That's a profound answer. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the opposite of life? Well, the obvious answer is death, but I think um, kind of going back to my definition of life, if you stay stagnant, if you don't uh, look inward, you don't heal, you just stay stuck in whatever might have happened to you that was bad or hurtful, and then you just, you do not get past it, you know, and it compounds. I think that is kind of the opposite of what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, now moving forward in a sense of healing, right? Yeah. Right. What is the meaning of freedom to you? Freedom, I, in my case, means finding my voice, being able to uh, get past my fear, fear of exposure, fear of, you know, being judged, and going ahead and saying what my truth is and saying it no matter if I get judged or get looked you know, differently upon that, that I just, I have a freedom to say my own truth because it's important. I love that too. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And what is your vision for a new reality? Especially in this time where we're all kind of relearning what it means to be connected um, during this pandemic that uh, we're in the beginnings of. I think we just, we have to stay connected. We have to find ways to connect to ourselves, but to other people and and find um, meaning in making other people smile or happy or doing what we can to help other people. Mm, Yeah. What is love to you? It's so many things. Love is is everything. You know, it's in nature. It's with animals. It's with children. Um, of course, with, with the significant other. But the most important love is self-love that I've found. You you almost cannot enjoy all the, the other loves fully unless you really work on that self-love. That's another profound answer. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, to me, resonates a lot. Um, what is your understanding and idea of peace? Well, it's something I think we're all striving towards. You know, that's part of life is just to find what speaks to you, what what helps heal you, what what is um, peaceful for you. Because there's so much distraction and so much bombardment with all these other things and distractions and, uh, you know, peace to me is is nature, really, where I find it. Yeah. What, where, and who is God to you? God is everywhere. God is everything. God is all of us. I mean, I really do believe that we are all made by this supreme being, whatever you call it, whatever you name him or her. And 
there is definitely nature is where I, I know God. That is where I, the absolute wonder and intricacy and beauty that is just far beyond what any man can make, you know, is where I know there is God. Do you see a difference between spirituality and religion? Um, yes. You know, there's extremes of religion and um, as in most things. And I, I think, you know, a lot of people are identifying with spiritual and not religious for their own reasons, for their, you know, failings of some church that they went to or some people that, you know, overzealously tried to get them to believe a certain way. So I think everybody has to find their own way. And spirituality is the big, big, big picture of it all. I just have two more warm-up questions. They relate to life again. What do you think is the purpose of life itself? You know, I've heard uh, that it is just to be happy, to find happiness. And that can mean so many things. But I think we, we are really designed to have joy in our life and to spread joy with other people is probably the human mission. I like that. <laughs> what do you think is the purpose, though, the main purpose of your life, your mission, um, your gifts? It's to share my vulnerability and use my voice to tell things that I had buried for decades and to finally to use my voice to say them and show other people, other survivors that it's it's scary, but it's also so freeing. And, you know, the, the things that happened to me happened for a reason it's, and it's for me to help just a few other people heal and feel better. Yes. Yeah, I love your perspective. There's a lot of wisdom. That's so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. So let's talk about your work. What was the inspiration and intention of writing your book, Parenting Well After Childhood Abuse? Well, um, it was originally going to be called Survivor Parenting, um, how to be a great parent even if yours were crap. But I, I really wanted to narrow it down to be exactly what it was and be very clear that it's about parenting well when you do come from child abuse. And there's so many different types of abuse and so many millions of people, children that are now adults, have this, you know, similar experiences. And um, when you become a parent, at least when I did, it hit me like a brick that I didn't know what to do. I knew what not to do, but I really needed help to to do a better job and to do the best job. Yeah, I love when you talk about your mission, yeah, to help others to do what you did. So you put yourself as a reference. Right. I, I wanted to be a blueprint. Like I felt like I had to you know, kind of scratch it out all along the way and find resources. And, you know, I read books and I talked to other people, but, you know, I do, everybody doesn't have to reinvent the wheel. There is a lot of information on healing out there. And I, I just wanted my journey to be meaningful, to help inspire and encourage other people that they can do it too. Yeah, that's wonderful. How do we know when our traumatic past experiences are affecting our well-being? What are the signs? Well, for me, in my early adulthood, I was, in, was strongly in denial 
of what had happened. I just wanted to bury it. I wanted to be normal. I'd want, you know, whatever quote unquote normal is. And, um, you know, appear from the outside that I was I was doing all right. However, I, I had such low self-esteem and self-destructive behaviors. I didn't have I, I did not value my own opinions or voice. And so I let other people's wishes and choices be more important than mine. And I, I it was just kind of a vicious cycle of being a party girl. I, I numbed myself with drugs and alcohol because, and, you know, I didn't see that. I just thought I was being a party girl, but, you know, really it was because I was hiding so much pain. So in a way, they are destructive behaviors, self-destructive behaviors. Yes. So what are some specific challenges parents face? Well, it's very important to break the cycle. And so you, of course, know that. You know that you don't want to beat your children uh, if you were beaten. But how do you break the cycle when you are thrown into a situation where you just react and you're maybe you have too much anger and, you know, you don't you have you're not able to control some of these behaviors and learned reactions that you because you learn parenting is learned. And so you have to really do a lot of work on yourself in order to um, understand why you might feel the ways you do and learn ways through therapy, really, uh, to to not feel that way and to not react that way. Right. So there are many challenges because now there are so <laughs> many things at so many levels too, right, Jeanne? Yes. And the um, thing that you really have to work on as as an adult, whether you're a parent or not, if you've been abused as a child, is getting out of that denial because it's just so strong. And, you know, you might have been taught it very well to, you know, don't talk about these things. And then when you get older, you're like, oh, okay, I'm okay now. I survived. You know, let's go on. Let's be happy. Let's blah, blah, blah. But the denial, denial, the word stands for don't even notice I am lying because you're you're really um, just covering up and it pops up in other ways. Right. And there's uh, the section that you sent to me in your book, Recognizing Denial. You write that we may be in denial about being in denial. So it's basically this cycle of not understanding oneself. How did you break that cycle? Well, it wasn't easy. I... I really had to do uh, a lot of work I, and my I have a sister that's 18 months older than I am and we stuck together and she started therapy before I did and so she was always encouraging me but it really took going into therapy and really getting to the nitty-gritty of what happened and that it wasn't my fault because you know I I depended on my parents so much that it was very hard to blame them for everything so it had to be something wrong with myself and as a child that's how you think that's how many children are just so self-centered and you know they they see it as I'm bad this their behavior is because I'm not good enough so breaking through all of that makes you see it clearly so then you you don't deny it anymore because you see it more clearly right oh so that takes therapy for you it took therapy 
I believe so, yes. Yeah, I have a section here that I focus on therapy, so I have lots of questions for you. But before (laughs) before that, there's a passage that I I thought was very interesting. You, You said, you wrote, I was taught the art of denial by the master. My mother knew, but she didn't let herself think about it. Why do you think a mother would allow her children to be hurt? Yes, it's such a unthinkable reality, but it, it it is. And I can only speak to to my mother, I guess, and you know, a lot of thinking I've done on the subject, uh, that she more than likely came from abuse. I don't know if, what kind, but she was not close to her parents. They were very uh, strict and people that she did not really want to be around. So I don't know what was in her past, but it's believable that she was continuing a cycle because that is very often what happens. And so then she found herself in a marriage with an abusive man. And perhaps that just activated her, you know, self-preservation, just lock down, don't think about it, you know, certainly don't talk about it. And so she didn't want to believe it or... You know, I I really don't know how she did it. It it is one of life's great mysteries. (laughs) Wow, and that is a fascinating mystery, if it is one, and I hope it's not, um, in the sense that if she, anybody who has been through um, any kind of darkness or been exposed to abuse or violence or any kind of darkness, as I call it, then it's now part of them. And if they have not really learned to defend themselves in a way internally, how to stop that cycle within, then yeah, they just now trapped in this idea that they cannot do anything when they see they're hopeless when they see that happening out there. But then what I understood is that the more we understand the God, let's say, the opposites, the angels and and the voice of God in you, and a love, a profound love, then you you learn to listen to the right voice. And now you know what to do. I mean, that voice of being touched by darkness can never, nothing can ever change that. If we can give voice or make that voice, the voice of God or the voice of love within louder, then we learn to choose better. Yes, yes. I believe the light always wins, can always win over the darkness, but you have to shine light on that darkness. You have to open the windows, open the doors and talk about it and, you know, heal yourself so that you don't continue on with the cycle or allow it to happen around you and or allow it to sink you into depression or suicide or, you know, all the things that are, are valid things that happen to people. Yeah, that's true, Jen. So it takes courage, doesn't it? Mm, Yes. It takes a lot of courage to do that, to just open that door. And as I say, you know, yes, it's painful to look at your past or, you know, and to go into therapy and talk about it, but you have the pain anyway. I mean, I was always carrying around pain and darkness inside anyway, even if I was acting and and not noticing it, you know, in the moment. But I always had that pain with me. So opening it up and to to dig it out and get rid of it is the goal. It's not just to dwell on it, it's to get over it and get past it is why you why you do open it up. Yes, yeah. 
Boy, I love that. And speaking of pain and denial, you have acronyms for them. Yes. <laughs> Can you tell me that this is this is very interesting. I never read this before. <laughs> I think I got it from um, the Oprah Network or you know Oprah Radio. Uh, there was a phase where I was listening to her all the time on on the radio when I was driving around. I don't know who exactly, but I heard and I wrote it down because it just it's made so much sense to me that uh, denial is don't even notice I am lying because that's what you're trying to project to other people is, you know, yes, I'm saying the sky is purple, you know, please don't notice <laughs> that I just said that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and pain is also pay attention inward now because when you feel intense pain it is physical or emotional it's it's to pay attention it's like this is the body's way to tell you pay attention now yeah it makes so much sense yeah it resonates this way of understanding denial and pain right mm -hmm. and i love the way you said if you don't address the pain it stays with you anyway so right And in my case, in my experience, it comes out anyway. You know, the pain yeah. comes out as anger quite often. Just in relationships especially, it was very difficult because I did not like being controlled. I didn't like um, not being, being valued, although I wasn't valuing myself all the time. So that, you know, it was a bit of a vicious cycle. Right, right. And always is, yeah, if we don't get there. Um, so let's talk about your healing journey. Was just therapy, Jen, or did you go through any other kinds of methods, healing methods? Um, I kind of was on a quest for all kinds of things to heal myself and, and mainly information on how to be a good parent because um, that was my motivation. But therapy and then group therapies in the middle of different therapists, I tried hypnosis and some eye movement therapy. I forget what the, they call it. So different techniques. But basically, a lot of it was just the, um, you know, talking therapy with psychologists or Yeah, I have some questions here about that. Do you think talk therapy is needed in all cases or for some people might not work? I can't really speak to all cases, you know. I just know for myself from from coming from childhood abuse, the way you process what happens to you as a child are, are many different ways, but a lot of it is just shutting down and believing that you were to blame and not feeling supported and not feeling protected and not getting any of your need, emotional needs met. So... I think when you have talk therapy and you're able to talk about those feelings and then someone very helpful and loving can give you another perspective and tell you you are not to blame and then help you have exercises where you understand that. You, you don't just hear it, but you, you get it into your heart. Yes, I think it's very valuable. I don't know how you can do it on your own. Yes, and you actually mentioned that about uh, a therapist is trained to help you realize what you cannot see for yourself. Right. How do we find a good therapist? What's the best way? What do we look for? And what makes one therapist better than, other, than others? I think it's very individual for what you need at the time. As my experience was, therapy was kind of 
go went in cycles of different times when I would need different t- type of therapy. But I trust in the process. If you're open to it, I think you will find what you're looking for. So going on an honest search for what you need, praying on it, you know, asking people, going on the internet and looking, reading people's profiles, you know, seeing what it is that you need and then and searching for it, I think you will find it, hopefully. Yeah. So it's um, personal and maybe the idea it is to try different ones. <laughs> yes, because one one doesn't work forever and ever, you know, and if you you kind of have to not worry about their feelings or if you feel like you need a change and or if you go to two sessions and you're feeling worse after you leave or or you know like they're not really you're not getting what you need, then you have every right to change to search for somebody else. Yeah. I like that. And that's part of the healing process itself in a way, because now you're becoming more courageous, right? To make decisions for yourself. And taking care of yourself. Yes. Being your own advocate. Yeah. I love that, that idea. (laughs) And the other thing is about question, did you face, what kinds of challenges did you face during uh, therapy? Well, it's hard. It was definitely hard at first. The insecurities, the the self-doubt, the and the pain that came up. You know, I mean, it was incredibly painful to open up and really really be supportive. You know, sometimes when when you're holding it together so well and then a friend comes and tells you something very kind and sweet and gives you a hug, you just fall apart. Mm, true. You know, and that's kind of what happened in therapy is like, oh god, I had a, you know, breakdowns and I cried for days. And but to me, letting go of feelings, letting releasing them and getting them out and talking about it, you know, I not just dwelling in them, but, you know, working through them uh, was so was worth it, was absolutely worth it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very much sounds like I have not done therapy myself for too long. I think I had one or two sessions only. Mm-hmm. So I can't really say that I know what that's like, but it makes sense what mm-hmm. you're saying. So much sense. So you talk, you say something interesting. Therapy starts a grieving process. So what do you mean by that when you mention grief? Well, because it's kind of out of denial, you it's the end of, you know, what you were trying to leave and trying to reconcile that, you know, this was what was happening. When you get into the truth, when you shine a light on, okay, my parents did some really bad things and hurtful things and non, you know, they didn't love me at, at times. That is painful. And so you then grieve that you didn't have the parents you wanted. You know, when you get a divorce, you have to grieve the marriage you wanted. You know, it's not necessarily what you had. It's it's your dream of it. It's your idea. So there's a lot of grieving in, in when you face reality that you're grieving what you wanted, what your fantasy was, what your you know, belief that you should have had. And and that's that's where a lot of sadness comes up. Yeah, because, yeah, it makes sense because now we are faced with this feeling of loss for not having something. That's interesting. It's almost like the reverse, right? Yes. My next question is about um, when do we know for sure that there's no need for therapy anymore? 
That's a good question. I think everybody has to find their own uh, answer to that. I can't say that I don't need more therapy. And in fact, sometimes I was thinking about writing a more fictional book and I was thinking I would definitely need to be back in therapy to process a lot of things I would want to write about. I have gone in cycles. I've probably been in therapy with four different therapists over 10 years, but not consecutively. Like I would stop for, you know, whatever reasons. It's like I felt like sometimes a therapist left or um, changed places and other times I just, I needed a break. You know, it's not, it's not something that you have to do constantly. You know, working on yourself is great, but it's also nice to take a break. Yeah. Yeah, because it is um, a lot of work, <laughs> important, mm-hmm. but it can be overwhelming. Yeah, that's true. So do you believe that there is such a thing as being healed? Yes, <laughs> I'd like to say yes. I I am healed. Am I perfect? No. Am I perfectly healed? No. You know, there'll always be pieces of me. And I hate to use the word damaged because I don't feel damaged anymore but there's there is damage done to me that you know that will always be a part of me but that's what I'm embracing now and what I see as helpful to for other people to um, resonate with and to see themselves and say hey okay well I can get through it and I can work on this and it's worth it and you can be happy and you can be healed healed enough (laughs) Yeah. Do you think that perhaps we are already healed, all of us? There's nothing really to be healed anymore. But what makes us believe that we are not is just memories, that we are remembering that we were damaged somehow, we were broken somehow, that we were hurt somehow. And all of us, one way or another, were hurt by others and ourselves. But what about it? It's all about remembering right. that we are already whole and beautiful and perfect. It's all about remembering. You know, that that's lovely. And I, I would like to, you know, spiritually on the highest, highest plane, yes, we are all perfect and we are all unique and special and lovable and yes, healed and whole. But I, I don't know if we realize that until we die and get to the <laughs> other side. You know, yeah. I think that we're, we're having experiences to that wonderful soul that is perfect to teach us more or, you know, to help other people, really, probably. Yeah. Um, In the beginning of the conversation, I think, or maybe off record, I'm not sure, we talked about love and then the dark and the light and how powerful it is. Love is. The light is. So what if, yeah, going back to that idea, yeah, the love, the light, it's so bright and it's the love is so profound that all we need to do, really, it's already in us, is just access it. Right. To become it. And now we are But there. That's, that is the challenge. And, and from where <laughs> I'm coming from, from, from a child, you're, you're so full of light. I mean, look at a baby. You know, they're perfect. They have unlimited potential and everybody agrees and everybody loves them. Where does it go that, that we get so hurt and, and afraid and, you know, 
not believing in ourselves. And, you know, so there's some things that happen along the, the line that have, I, I think, need to be addressed and healed in order to to feel that self-love and and be able to get back to that, get back to that soul love that we all really have. Yeah, right. And one of the things, Jen, that I heard from somebody, one of my guests, was such an, a wonderful insight. And just what you just said now about when we are babies, that we are just perfect and we have mm. this natural, mm-hmm. innate joy. But what happens is that we are extremely vulnerable and open. So that's why bad things could happen because we are so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. We are so receptive to everything and anything right. that we can easily get hurt. Um, so maybe the the antidote to all of this, the hurt that has been caused because we are so open and so vulnerable, it might be the same, just being open and vulnerable right now again. So we go back to that place because now we are safe anyway. Yeah. Before we are not, but now we are. Right. So by being right. that open, we might, yeah, we might get there faster. That. <laughs> not that we're trying to rush here, <laughs> but... <laughs> Mm-hmm. It makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. It's not easy because of how, you know, we've all been kind of socialized to to care what other people think or, you know, to, that their opin- other opinions, you know, take our light away. So to be to be able to get to that place where you are just open and accepting of yourself and others would be a wonderful place. Yeah, if it is possible, which like I just mentioned, if we are in this um, safe space. But a lot of times I noticed also, I heard somebody saying that the main issue might be that we become addicted to our own darkness or the victimhood state of mind. That now we have created this environment that is uh, built upon those ideas of victimhood. Now it's hard to get out of that place. Yes. A lot of times people just identify themselves with what happened, you know, and that's what I wanted to make sure I didn't just identify myself with I'm the girl that was mistreated by her parents. You know, no, that's not who I am. That's why when I say who I am in the beginning, I'm all kinds of things, you know, and yes, I'm also was molested by my father. But that is that can be made very, very, very tiny in my life picture. You know, there's so much more big beautifulness in my life. So I'm not I refuse to be identified and defined by the past. I love that. And that brings the subject of obsession and addiction kind of out of the picture because you're not focused on one thing. And that's what addiction is, really. Right. Obsession. And when we are focused on one single thing about ourselves, one experience runs our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of makes sense, too. A psychologist who he realized that himself, he was very angry, an angry person. He didn't know why. And then he found out that he was just addicted to his own pain. That was really the problem, the real issue. Mm. Let me see. My next question is about, yeah, you talk about groups, support groups. Yes, that was my um, purpose I had somehow. I don't know if it was just people she was seeing individually and then she brought us all weekly together for a group, I, I think. And that was very because, you know, my experience before that had just been myself talking to a therapist and to um, and it was quite a long time ago. So I don't remember what we did. I'm sure we did some exercises and, you know, had some 
questions about, but to see the differences, there were so many different, but the, the feelings and the results and the, you know, stuff that it, it made us all feel were very, very similar, you know? So it was, it was helpful to see other people's, but you you can't compare your pain to another's and say that, oh gosh, I didn't have it as bad as them. So what am I complaining about? You know, because our feelings are all valid and our pain is all valid and, you know, and needs to be addressed as much as we can. In the sense of groups, from my experience, I guess the, the closest I got to it was with somebody that I met that she had, um, she had lost her daughter. She was grieving to the point of self-destruction. So instead of doing the ultimate, committing suicide, she decided to join a group. But the, the thing was that that was a place for her to find her peace, to just listen to other people's pain. That was her comfort. It, that's, I guess, my concern, that if we get to that point, then it's how can we ever get out of that space of the painful space within? Right. That is a good question. And I, you, how do you get out of the pain? In my experience, it, it was therapy. It was shining the light. It was, you know, just um, exposing the truth, uh, exposing my own denial of the truth, moving on to, you know, helping other people in groups. It was more, uh, I took on a role of, you know, listening and, you know, crying with them, but I didn't take on their pain, you know, and I, I didn't get stuck there. And these were limited sessions anyway. But um, I think for me, it's a spiral of healing and it's always going up. You might might feel like you're going around to the same level of, oh gosh, I'm depressed again, again, but it's on a different level. It's on a higher level. And we're I really believe we're going up, even though sometimes it feels like we're we're not going back to square one. And if you're really intent on helping yourself and healing yourself, you won't get stuck. Yeah, you're right. I think the idea is not to replace the pain because a lot of times that might happen too. Do you feel that that could happen in a sense that we are trying to expose our own pain and then we go through therapy groups and other methods and then now we in a way replacing the pain with something else that feels better? There's no difference between that and numbing ourselves with medication or drugs or whatever it is. So I'm just wondering if that could happen to Did you experience something like that, the replacement of for pain? I don't think so. I, I feel like my healing was going forward and not. I didn't replace the pain. I replaced behaviors and how I dealt with the pain and how I saw myself is the main thing. How I really talked to myself, which took a lot of work to stop, you know, being mean to myself and calling myself names and being very hard on myself for humanness, you know, just being a human. And so um, I don't think I replaced anything except just... Mm, I love that. I replaced a lot of the hate and self-hatred with love. And it took a while. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that is the, yeah, right. That's the ultimate replacement. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, That will change everything. And then I have a few questions, I guess, final questions. And one of which is exactly about self-love. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? I believe in it. 
I'm, I'm striving for it. You know, I wish I had it. Yes, absolutely. I don't see why not. You know, I think that's the ultimate uh, when you're, you really feel like you have healed most of the, the trauma that you might have been through. So yeah, ultimate unconditional self-love. That is what I think we're supposed to all be striving for. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said about ideal, right? This is a, is a reference point, right? That we just, uh, if we can remember that every day. Um, like you said, I love what you said just a few minutes ago about being human because that's what it is. Um, yes. Everything, the emotions will come and it, we don't have to have traumas in the past to be sad or feel depressed or whatever it is. It's just part of the human experience. Right. It is. It is very much the human experience too. And I think it does come from most childhoods. You feel like um, you're not good enough. And that's just something we all have to work on being kinder to ourselves. You know, we're nice to our friends. We wouldn't let our friends call themselves fat and ugly, but we might say it to ourselves uh, regularly. You know, so we just need to listen to our self-talk and realize that nobody's perfect. Absolutely nobody. And and perfection isn't even a goal. I mean, do the best, be the best version of yourself you can be, but let the little stuff slide. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely the world of unconditional love, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So before my final questions to you, Jen, would you like to add anything? I would just like to say everybody's got something to deal with from their past, and but don't let it define you. You have the power to learn and grow and heal and from anything in your life. And you can and then write your own story. So my final question is, what was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? Hardest lesson? I guess I would have to say in relationships, learning that my, my self-esteem and my not using my voice was very deep-seated and believing, you know, I wasn't worth it and that I, what, you know, other people were just more important or, you know, let them have their way. So I had to really work a, a hard on that and realize that, you know, I was, I needed to pick people that I could be honest with and that it was safe to use my voice. And, you know, if they were going to belittle me or um, anything for for expressing myself, then they were not the right people to be around. Yeah, learning learning to value my my voice probably been the toughest lesson. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I think this is true for most of us, especially women for some reason. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're taught to, we're brought up to be nice. We're socialized to be the good girls, you know, to be likable and, you know, not too emotional and not too angry, you know, yeah. but darn it, sometimes <laughs> we have to be. Yeah, that's funny because we accept that men, they can get crazy yes. and aggressive and angry and we're like, oh, that's fine, just be a man. Mm-hmm. We have that in us too, is the divine feminine and divine masculine. We all yes. have that and we're entitled to express those energies, but with wisdom. Yeah, I believe in wisdom. So balance is very important. So my final question is one more. Uh, what is another word for healing? Well, I think freedom is a good one where you you 
asked me my definition of freedom and I think I said it was it was you know shining the light and healing because it does bring freedom it does bring a whole new level of acceptance and ability to love yourself once when you do the healing when you reparent yourself when you give yourself what you needed before so you didn't get it before from somebody else you can give it to yourself the acceptance the protection the encouragement the love wow that's true i love that that answer too freedom and healing right right if you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Mm, probably eat a bunch of French fries. <laughs> well, <laughs> but that's no. a fun one, fun wish. <laughs> right, I mean, uh, who cares? But, you know, I at this point, I'm feeling pretty good about fulfilling my purpose of being a good mom and of writing this book to help other people. Um, yeah, there's still lots I would love to do, but if I, I, I think I'm satisfied. I think, um, I can't think of anything else immediately that I would really need to do. What a beautiful answer. I love to hear <laughs> the answer from my guests when they say that, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> yeah. That's when you know that you're living your purpose, right? Uh, do you believe in life after death? I do. What kind of life? I do. There, there has to be, you know, I just, it's, it's too, it would be too simple and too cruel, I think, for this human existence to be the only thing. I, I don't know what it is exactly, but, you know, I went to church as a child. I do pray. I believe there is a much, much, much better we can get to and that our souls, our, our whole connected energy is there. And that's the mystery, right? Mm-hmm. And um, what are three things about life you know for sure as of today? I know for sure that I did a good job with my kids as being a parent. I know for sure that this world is going to go on and hopefully get better and better. I guess I don't know that for sure. I, that, that's my hope. <laughs> I hope that the human race will really get more connected and care for each other. I mean, I know there's so much more good going on in the world than the bad. We just hear so much about, you know, the darker things. So I, I just, uh, I know for sure that there is goodness in the world. Mm, yes. It has been a meaningful conversation, genuine uh, I love your wisdom. I can hear in your voice that the strength and the healing that we have been talking about, uh, the freedom, I can hear in your voice. Thank you. My final, final question is, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Well, thank you. Um, this has been really very nice. Your your questions are very thoughtful, and I appreciate it very much. My book can be found on Amazon or wherever books are sold, Barnes and Nobles and everything. But Amazon, I think, has the better price. Um, and it is you can just type in my name, Gian Meta, G E A N N E M E T A in the Amazon search and the book should come up. But also it's called Parenting Well After Childhood Abuse. And my website is gnmeta.com. And future projects are to be determined. I may or may not write another book. Thank you so much again, Gian, for your presence. And I will talk soon. Thank you so much. 
you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Gian Meta, please visit her website, gianmeta.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Mm-hmm.